I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello listeners, Tim Sylvie here. Before we introduce today's guest, I need to head across the airwaves once again to bring in my good mate who's now so tantalizingly close to 300,000 subs on YouTube that it's actually keeping me awake at night with anxiety. Tom, how are you? What's new? <laughs> I've given up. I feel like I'm just going to, this is it. I'm going to get to 299 and it'll just stay like that forever. But yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm cool with that. It's, uh, it's Fortunately for me, the subscriber number is, is purely a vanity metric. It doesn't actually exactly. change anything. Yeah. So I'm quite happy with that, yeah. but I'm, I'm good, Tim. How, how are you? How are you, Tim? I'm good. I'm good, thanks. Sure? Yeah, I'm yeah. all right. I'm busy okay. at the moment. Very busy. Got all the, you know, the, the race stuff going on, the... WTF1 talent business kicking off. We've got the karting in a couple of weeks with Motormouth, obviously. We do. Which you're coming we to. Are you excited? I am. I, I actually, um, I was karting this weekend. I had a, uh, a stag do in Newcastle. We went, nice. went indoor karting. Really good. Really good. Uh, indoor electric ones, actually. They were proper fun. And I, I, I was okay. I was good. But I know the standard at the Motormouth karting um, charity race is pretty good. So I still yeah. need a bit of work. Yeah, it's not bad. We've got some. We've actually got uh, Janetta sending a team, so um, that should be quite interesting. There's even talk of Alpine sending a couple of teams, so um, I think the competition could be high. Could be high. Um, Right, shall I introduce today's guest? Do it. Before we get any deeper into today's show, a very quick interruption. Thanks to a chance encounter at a recent motorsport event, we've got a new show sponsor, and it's something or someone that's a little bit different. Paul Oz has joined us for this season of the podcast and we couldn't be happier. We've been huge fans of Paul since first meeting him at the Spanish Grand Prix in 2018 and I'd encourage all of you to go and check out his amazing work, especially, of course, his Formula One art and sculptures. Paul's created some of the most iconic and important pieces of our time, inspired by racing history, and he's partnered with the likes of McLaren Sky, the Senna, Lauder and Hunt families, and loads more. Head over to pauloz.com to learn all about his work and make sure to stay tuned to this show for your chance to win an original Paul Oz painting in the coming weeks. Amazing. 
As many of you will know, sponsors and partners are absolutely vital to our continued growth. And without them, it's pretty much impossible to keep making content that you want to listen to and hopefully enjoy. We can't thank Paul enough for agreeing to join us and we look forward to loads of fun with him over the course of this season. To celebrate our partnership with Paul, he's our first guest of the new season. So sit back, relax and enjoy the chat as we hear from the man making wonderful, timeless pieces in the sport we all love. So today we're joined by a man I first found about actually in 2018. We were both doing some work with a company called Epsom who was sponsoring the Mercedes F1 team. And that man was Paul Oz. He was doing some live painting with us to entertain some VIPs from Japan. And I was immediately struck by him. Fast forward a few years, he's gone on to create some of the most important motorsport art pieces of recent times. He's sculpted Ayrton Senna, he's painted world champions, and he's traveled the world creating incredible artworks for equally incredible people, teams, and drivers. Not only that, He's agreed to partner with our humble podcast for the next 10 weeks or so. So we'll have lots of exciting things planned as part of that. It's a pleasure to have him here to chat about his life, career, thoughts and opinions. Paul, welcome to the Motormouth podcast. How are you? Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, really good. Yeah, really good. Uh, You guys seem busy. Uh, It's exactly the same here. Yeah, absolutely flat out juggling, plate spinning, whatever you want to call it. It's, uh, It's all good fun, though. Exactly. The, the machine never stops. Paul, where are you uh, joining us from today? Your background's not given too much away. Uh, no, accidentally on purpose, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you know, you've got to have a, a muted background for Zoom, haven't you? Um, so, yeah, I'm in rural Gloucestershire at the moment. Um, nice. That's where my house and studio uh, is based. Um, so uh, I, I mostly work at home. Very nice. Mostly. Now, Paul, take us back in time. Where where was home originally? What were your formative years like? And I guess what was it like growing up in in the Oz household when you were in your teenage years? Um, I mean, it was very very different to to what it is now for sure. I mean, I've all, always bounced around the same area, so central UK, uh, so between Herefordshire, Warwickshire, Gloucestershire, where I am now. Um, but when I was, um, certainly when I was a teenager, I was in Herefordshire, uh, properly rural, middle of absolute nowhere. Um, it was, uh, it was fairly tough. Uh, we, we didn't have much money, you know, we had to do everything manually. Uh, my brother and I were both working, uh, part-time from age 12. I think I had three jobs once by the time I was 14. You know, the, the first job of every day was chopping wood up for the fire in the winter. You know, it was uh, it was basic. But, um, you know, I think uh, experiences like that, you know, it 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 shapes you for life, both both from a work ethic and also, yeah, I don't want to do this. You know, I want to get myself out of this position sort of thing. So I think that's uh, I, I do think that's probably given me a large part of the drive of, of what I've got now, to be honest. Did you have um, much in a way of exposure to kind of motorsport at all when you were young growing up? Yeah, that was my my father's side. So my parents split up when I was 10. Uh, but yeah, my dad was always uh, a motorsport buff. So I mean, my earliest memories of Formula One, I think in 1985 or six, um, the first vivid first memory I have is Ayrton Senna in, in the black and gold JPS with the yellow helmet 
I just thought that was amazingly cool. You know, I didn't didn't realize what I was actually appreciating and, you know, the, the godlike persona that he actually was almost. Um, I, I just thought he looked really cool. You know, if you, if you think back to back to the 80s, everything on the TV that was cool was black. You know, you, you had uh, Knight Rider and Airwolf and Street Hawk and yeah. uh, the, the black Porsches in Condor Man and all that sort of thing. So, so black and gold JPS Lotus, I was like, oh man, look at that. Um, and I think that has a lot to answer for. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that that will it will go full circle the uh, the, the center and the JPS stuff, won't it? And we'll come on to that a little bit later. But you, you studied aerospace engineering at university. What what led to that? Where did that interest come from? Was it an interest? Um, it was. Um, I mean, I think that's actually quite closely linked to the Formula One interest. I mean, what I wanted to do was uh, perhaps design either aerodynamic bikes or cars. Um, and in the early to mid 90s, there wasn't actually a specific course at most universities to do that. Um, it was generally it was aerospace engineering and then you you tweak it later on to, to be automotive led. But um I don't actually think, I mean, this is a the problem with education is that you, you kind of, kind of encourage down a, a path that you're often not given much provocation as to why or how, or what you're actually going to do with it afterwards. It's just, you know, you do GCSEs, well, in the UK, you do GCSEs and you do A-levels and you do university. And at no point really do I remember anyone going, yeah, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that or you should do that apart from the art thing. So I wanted to go to art college at 16 and I was told, no, that's a silly idea. Nobody makes any money out of art. You've got enough capabilities to have a proper job. You know, I was, I was A's in maths and physics, you know, and I was C in art. Um, and that, that that's a strange position to be in because even now I, I don't regret that advice because it was sensible. You know, nobody should advise a kid who's A's in maths and physics and C in art to then go to art college. That'd be ridiculous. But, but, but here we are. <laughs> it, it, it's funny. Like that literally just sounds like, that sounds like, so my mum, she grew up in the, I mean, she's in her seventies now and she was all about going to art college and it was kind of, well, partly because the, the, you know, family couldn't afford it, but she ended up going down and more. She worked in the city from when she was like, you know, 15 um, back in the day. And then she's gone back. Now she's retired. She's gone back to doing her art. And literally like her talent hasn't gone anywhere and uh, she loves it so much. And it's like, do you think that was, was that more from the institutions around you or, or was that from the institute, like in terms of the schools um, telling you, advising you, but also like you say, from, from, I guess you, parents and and people with influence around you because you're gonna you want what's best for your kid but also I guess when you've got that did you have that a real passion for art at that early stage even then yeah I mean uh I mean it started really early I mean the the first um the first record I have of it I was actually age five I made a little uh collage of uh, a felt tip collage with parrots and trees and that sort of thing um, my mother actually presented this to me a couple of years ago. She still had it. Um, but I won a prize for that. I, I don't know what the prize was. Um, but it was obviously evident from fairly early on. Um, and I remember, certainly growing up, I remember drawing a hell of a lot of trees and uh, trains coming out of tunnels, that sort of thing, you know, getting perspectives right with a ruler. Um, 
And because of the house I was in, I, I know I was under 10 when when I was drawing trains coming out of tunnels, that sort of thing. So um, it's always been there. And at, at 16, I wanted to go to art college, as I said, but um, I, did a, I did a summer tasting course. And I, I don't think it was for me. It was, um, uh, w- without being rude, it was a bit pretentious. Um, I didn't like the people there. Um, I, I, I didn't think it was my type of person that that I was going to end up mixing with. And uh, and the, the way the way it's happened, the way that my career has gone and developed, and I, I think a vast amount of the reason why I've managed to get somewhere with what I'm doing is because of what I learned in industry in the 10, 15 years since, you know, how to, how to present yourself, how to talk to people. Um, you know, that that's why I get to for, work with Formula One because um, I do what I'm meant to be doing and when I'm meant to be doing with it, I can be trusted in front of important people. Um, they don't teach you that in art college. Um, well, I don't believe they do. Um, I'd be, be gobsmacked if they did. Absolutely. And, and, and your style is quite impactful. It's quite unique to you. Like if you if if you see a Paul Oz painting on a wall, it's one of you're one of those those artists that you go, oh, well, that's that's a Paul Oz. Like you know what you're looking at. Has that style always been in you, or is that something you've developed over the years? It, it's always been in me for sure. I mean, the because there was a twelve year gap between school and then starting painting again. Um, and even my first piece, it had thick texture and paint splats on, which is, of course, what I'm known for. Um, so it's not really, it was, well, it certainly wasn't really um, a point to create a style on purpose. Um, but yeah, whatever I paint, um, it, it doesn't matter if it's wildlife or Lego or a bottle or a Formula One driver. Um, it, it's the same techniques fundamentally. So they are, they are going to look similar. Um, the the one problem with this is that you know I've been doing this a long time now, working with Formula One for for twelve years. Um, there's a lot of guys out there who ask, who have been looking at what I do and go, right, I'm going to copy that because it's obviously successful. Um, and there there are, I mean, the, the nicest word is mimicking, you know, and, and it's fine, uh, you know, it's great to inspire others. Um, it's not so great to have others copy you, but, uh, you know, it's a thing. It's a thing. You can't do anything big without someone trying to replicate it. But the problem is they can only replicate what they see on the surface. They, they can't replicate the important bit, which is a business behind it. Mm. And, and that's, that's the thing with, with art, isn't it? Because in any creative, I mean, obviously for me, when I, I make my videos, you know, I, I, look at other channels and I, I I will take both conscious and subconscious influence from from things around but like how do you keep because you know now we're getting into the world of you know more AI digital art and there's all of these new found ways that I mean arts you're painting the the methods you use has existed for as long as humans has have probably but you know all these new mediums of of art exist like how do you keep how do you keep Paul Oz art kind of relevant, I guess, within the space? And what's the kind of, how much of that is tied to maybe like your story and, and how you kind of set aside from, you know, just a photocopy of a piece of your art? How, how does your canvas, you know, how do you think that really 
sells itself and makes itself unique and, and something yeah. that people want. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the fundamental key is authenticity. Um, the most important point of art, in my mind, uh, isn't actually what it looks like. It's what it means and the story behind it. Uh, that might sound like uh, pretentious nonsense, but but that's what people invest in personally and, and monetarily. You know, you, you invest in the story, both of the art and of the artist. Um, and like I say, when when it's being mimicked, you're, you're skipping all of that. You're, you're kind of, you're, you're taking the, the viewer as, as a fool almost. Um, you know, everything I paint has to have a story behind it. It has to have a meaning. You know, half the half time I'm, I'm there at the race, um, you're absorbing everything that's going on. Um, and, and then, then I, the first, first thing I do when I get home is, is start painting the background to celebrate that last weekend's race, you know. Um, that, that's what people want. It's what I want to create and it's what I want to celebrate. Um, and it's what the viewer wants as well. Paul, how long does a, a typical painting take? Like for, take, for example, you, you know, some of your paintings are quite large. There's, there's actually one, there's, hanging, there's one hanging up in the right formula sports marketing offices, a place I used to work at. There's, there's a Lewis Hamilton helmet one in there, quite large. How long would that take you from thinking about the concept to actually completing it? Uh, typically around one week, maybe a little bit longer. Um, but that's, that's a week of evenings, to be honest. It's, uh, I, I do paint fast. Um, I spend the vast majority of my day uh, typing on the phone, doing things like this. Um, and then I jump in the studio 5, 6 p.m. until 9 p.m. Um, and yeah, that, that painting at Wright Foreman is a case in point. Yeah, that, was, uh, that was celebrating Lewis's title in 2017. Uh, and I started the background, you know, I landed in the UK, I think 6am, the way you do from, from the States or Mexico, wasn't it? Um, got, got home at 10am, painted the background, then went to bed, uh, then get up in the evening and start painting. What's the, um, when, when you're painting, do you, what part of that day does that, or what part of you does that fulfill? Like, do you still, do you still love it? Does it feel like it's something you you kind of have to do because obviously when you go from taking that a passion and a hobby and I know this to an extent with what I do like and you it becomes your job there is a slight different approach to it I guess right in terms of like what it gives back to you yeah well yeah most definitely and that that does change from piece to piece I mean something like uh celebrating a, a Lewis titled seal that I've just got got off the plane from seeing um that that's far more motivational than I need. Um, generally, yes, it, it does become uh, a little bit of a job. Uh, I have to have a schedule. If I don't have a schedule, it quite easily drifts. And then I realize I haven't done anything for four days. Um, I, I have to say, right, at this point and every day, shut the laptop down, turn the TV off, whatever's happening, I have to get in the studio. Because if you wait until you're inspired, you know, it's like... Um, the, I often relate it to if you know you've got to go out for a run today, you're always sat on the sofa or whatever and you go, oh, can't I be bothered? And But it's that initial motivation, that that initial kick that you need. Um, once you're out there, it's always awesome. And then when you get back, it's the best thing you've ever done. Um, painting to me is exactly the same thing. All I've got to do is start and then everything else is easy. 
do do you ever start a painting and get you know two days into it and then go oh shit this is crap and and just throw it away and just go i've got to start again or, or can you adapt and just make it good no you got, if it's fundamentally wrong it's fundamentally wrong if if i get the composition wrong uh yeah that that it's going nowhere hope hopefully that doesn't happen too often nowadays that doesn't happen very often um but but every artwork at some point does go through a phase of oh this is shit um you it, it always starts off, oh, this is going to be awesome. And then you get, oh, actually. But those, those, be, those certainly, when I really struggle with a painting, those for sure become the most interesting because the tones become more complex. Um, the thickness becomes thicker. Um, the, the overall effect is always, if I get it right quickly, they're, they're boring. So quite often I muddy the tones on purpose or, or then I'd change the tones to a different color palette on purpose to to make it more complex so it looks more organic. And there's there's a lot of responsibility that comes with this, especially if it's a commission, something that someone's asked you to do. And that brings us on to something very special that you were asked to do, which was the Senna Bronze. And I, I imagine that not only was that a real privilege to be asked to do and, and a very special experience, I'd imagine, but also you must have been shitting yourself thinking, if they don't like this, this is, this is serious, like, this is a problem. Yeah, no, for, for sure. I mean, uh, I've got used to that pressure now. Uh, possibly the, the even more than the Senna one was uh, was Nicky Lauder um, because it was so recent and everyone remembers Nicky Lauder recently. Um, and then so McLaren uh, commissioned the, the Nicky statue uh, literally the day he passed away. I got the phone call, right, we need to do a Lauder bronze. Um the pressure for that when when it's a figure that's so revered um and this especially in the modern world where if it's not perfect um they're gonna tell you um <laughs> which is uh it it becomes interesting fairly quickly but um yeah it, it's 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 certainly a hell of a lot of pressure but i think that's probably probably helps me in in many ways so how did you how did you transition from kind of painting and kind of it's more of a two D art form to then three D sculpture? Do, did you um, do you think there's any connection as well to your kind of your history doing you know aerospace design and it's almost like there's a degree of engineering to that as well, bringing it into the three D space, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've always um, it's a strapline of mine. I've always I've always thought in three D for for sure. Um, I mean, when I was back at school, I was I was uh, most adept at you know woodwork and pottery. At university, I remember being given a task to uh, create a, a little aluminium steam pump thing. Uh, it's meant to take a whole year, and I did it in four weeks. And they're like, "Yeah, but where where are the where are the failed attempts?" Well, well, it works, doesn't it? I mean, what, what more do you want? From <laughs> But, but the problem is that that's not how you pass qualifications. You need to show the development and you know how you adjust it and so on. Uh, getting it right first time isn't isn't great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't remember anything from thirty years ago now, back in aerospace engineering. But but the general concepts, yeah. Um, I I don't know what material density in is is of bronze or carbon fiber, but I know that there is one, and I know that that has to be adhered to and things like balance as well. Um, so it's the same mindset. Um, and I, I think it certainly helps, but 
I mean, I've always, since I was painting, I was sculpting as well. I mean, my, my earliest uh, F1 component sculptures were uh, 2011, I think was the first one. Um, and then, yeah, the bronze came uh, 2017. We started working on the first one. I'm very fortunate to have uh, the, the world's most prestigious bronze foundry is uh, in Stroud, 10 miles down the road. They have 200 people doing nothing but artistic bronze. All of the biggest artists in the world use this foundry, and it's uh, it's a 40-minute drive from home. So, oh, um, God, how lucky is that? And, and where, where are that? You've done two Cenebrons um, statues. Is that the right term? Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you've done two of those. So, so where are they now? What what happens to them once they're made? Um, it it depends which one it is, but uh, but yeah, the first. Uh, driving or floating center as it's been called um so there are five of those life size uh one is at mclaren uh one's at mclaren barcelona uh, and then the others are in private collections the jps black and gold center um there's a, one again at mclaren barcelona in their museum and then uh, there's one of them outside the concourse club in miami which is one of my biggest business partners now um, cool. So on top of that, we've got Nicky Lauder, James Hunt is coming up shortly, um, and Bruce McLaren as well. It's so cool. I'm at, I'm at the MTC tomorrow, actually, so I'll, I'll I'll have a look for it. I'll see if I can sniff it out and take a little picture. Well, so the um, floating center is above the uh, front door in the VIP reception, so it depends how well you're regarded as to whether you see. Uh, that I think not. I've seen it there. <laughs> VIP mate I'll, I'll be there I'm, I'm doing a uh, <laughs> I'm doing a tour I've got a behind the scenes tour oh, wow. of uh, the McLaren Technology Centre so I, I, I'll hopefully see everyone if I see it I will take a picture and uh, tell the world how brilliant it is you, you know um, what I've never but, I've never had that tour it, it's one of those things that I've kind of skipped that step if you know what I mean I've I've wandered around that building on my own with no one else in it yeah. but I've not had that tour <laughs> I love the idea of you being on a tour and someone being like, this is a bronze event and set, and you're, you're just sat there just like, oh yeah, asking questions like, oh, who, who made yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> Can we not make that happen? Do you want to come tomorrow? Uh, I might be able to do that. Yeah, I might be able to do Le- that. Leave that with me, okay. Mr. Oz. I might be able well, to sort something out there. Cause- this is it. I can I can invite myself. It, it's not a problem. It, it's just, uh, yeah. <laughs> I designed the statue, all right? I'm coming in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. coming in. Uh, and Bruce McLaren, Bruce McLaren is there inside the foyer as well. So when you walk in the, the, the director's entrance, Bruce McLaren stood there as well. It's really cool. It's so cool. If I don't know whether you're willing to give out this information. This might be private. But if I if if me and Tom were like, we want a statue for HQ, and and we and we want a I don't know, um, a James Hunt or whatever. It, it, how much would it cost us an arm and a leg? Like, is that is that a hugely yeah. expensive thing to buy? Yeah, the the problem I have is, uh, and the challenge I've now made for myself is because I work with the most prestigious bronze founder in the world. They're not cheap. Yeah. Um, the my costs now are extortionate. Um, I mean that. It, it's had to take a bit of a, a difference in mindset because, of course, with with creating a painting, you know, the, the costs to create a painting are minuscule compared to the, the price that I can sell the painting for. Uh, with bronzes, uh, that's flipped on its head entirely. If 
if I create three bronze statues and only sell one of them, I'm I'm in a bit of a pickle. Yeah. So um, I've got to make sure it works. Another short interruption to remind you to check out PaulOz.com, the man behind some incredible pieces, including two stunning bronze statues of the... A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Late great Ayrton Senna, which he made working with the most prestigious bronze foundry on the planet. But he does way more than just sculptures. Oh yes, his canvas artwork has been showcased all around the world at F1 races, galleries, and in private collections. If you'd like to speak to Paul about a project, please, please do reach out to us directly and we'll put you in touch. You might even benefit from a tidy little motor mouth discount. Right, back to the show. Paul, was there a particular, both from a statue and a painting point of view, was there a particular piece that you've done that had the biggest kind of initial impact on your kind of your business and your name and, and getting you out there? What was the, What was the first thing that really catapulted and, and really started the business because i imagine when you started obviously you know you, you might sell to friends and family and, and small kind of word of mouth but to get your name kind of out there what was the one that really kind of triggered it to start it all do you think um i mean it certainly the first few years it was quite steady i mean one thing does lead to another uh for sure uh my first gig with an f1 team was 2011 um and just using that as a basis, it, it just trickles on steadily. You know, every event I do, you meet more people. Um, and as I said earlier, you know, as long as I keep doing what I'm meant to be doing and don't embarrass myself or other people and, you know, you, you get recommended for other jobs. Um, again, it's how I met Tim, you know, um, sponsor activation with a Formula One team. Um, you know, you meet some of the most amazing people on the planet in, in, in this scenario. Um, but the, the thing that, catapulted it skyrocketed everything again it, it was a center statue in in 2019 when we unveiled that um mclaren it, i i unveiled this at autosport awards in january in 2019 uh, mclaren shared it on their social channels um f1 got involved um and then it just went nuts it was trending on twitter and i was getting 400 emails a day for a week it was it was, it was absolutely crazy so i mean the one turning point of my career was then, but but of course I you know I was working with Formula One for seven years before that, um, but that was definitely yeah. a turning point. It, it, it's a classic example of like a lot of people have been introduced to you the first time then, and they, oh it's like overnight success, but it's actually not. Like you've been working for years beforehand. It always seems it's always like when people see like overnight success, and it's like no, you look at the body of work that's gone back years, and actually it's just kind of you've steadily grown, and then there is that often that one kind of that that triggers yeah. up it's, mate, it's amazing i mean what you do is incredible like the, the the work the you can see the kind of 
again, you've got that unique style, which I, I, I think is like more important than ever nowadays to have that kind of USP that's like, that's Paul Oz straight away. You can see, and obviously, you know, it's such a unique skill set as well. And it's amazing that you've been able to like, you know, especially when you say at, at school years, you know, you push towards certain industries that are seen as safer. And art is such an unpredictable kind of space to be in. I mean, I, I've got a couple of kind of artist mates and it's it, it's tough until you get that big break and it, it requires a lot of, I guess, persistence. And then you would get that one moment where it's, but also F1's a very kind of, everyone knows everyone. It's, it's quite a, a small, close shop. So I guess that word of mouth also travels a bit, a bit quicker, I guess. Yeah, but of course that can work both ways around. Um, you know, if, if if you don't do what you're meant to do, it, it can could quickly fall down like a, a pack of cards, you know. Um, but, you know, to have that big PR jump, you need to have done the groundwork before. You know, as I mentioned as quickly that so, that McLaren shared it. Well, that's because I, I knew the McLaren social media people from years before, you know. It was, it was a friend sharing a friend's post almost, you know. It's... Uh, the groundwork is more important and and yeah nobody nobody's going to see that now as we record today it's the uh, it's wednesday the 7th of june uh, but this podcast episode won't be released probably until uh, the 15th of june so we, we've got a week or so and in that intervening period paul you've got some news what what has happened by the time this gets released yeah um so i kind of let it slip earlier um but uh, yeah so next wednesday the 14th um, is the 30th anniversary of James Hunt's passing. So, uh, so yeah, uh, Zach Brown at McLaren, uh, a year and a half ago, commissioned a James Hunt statue to celebrate the 30th year. Awesome. Um, That's so and, cool. Oh, is, is, is Freddie going to be involved in this, presumably, in some capacity? Uh, well, Freddie has been involved uh, right from the start. So, um, I mean, all of my... All of my statues are, the, the basis is a 3D capture of real life. So for the first Ayrton statue, that was me in Ayrton's race suit, boots and helmet, 3D scanned in for the for the main pose. Uh, so for James Hunt, uh, from the neck down, it's Freddie Hunt in his father's race suit. Um, wow. And, and any, anyone that knows what Freddie looks like, I mean, he, he's a spitting oh. image of his father. I, Freaky. I got to see uh, the film Rush with the family six months before it was uh, released. Um, and I was speaking to his mother. And because uh, Daniel Brühl, who played Nicky, lived with Nicky for a couple of months to learn his mannerisms, his character and his accent and so on. But no one did that for James. And his mother was saying that they should have spent some time with Freddie because, you know, he'll do a simple thing like making a cup of tea and how he leans on the counter while whilst the kettle's boiling, she has to do a double take because it just looks like James's silhouette. So, yeah. so of course, knowing this, and then Zach commissioned it, literally three minutes later, a moment text message going, Freddie, mate, we need, I need you. I need you in this suit. Um, it, it, it's absolutely perfect. He looks, we've had him on the podcast, actually, um, relatively early on. And it was so freaky. I ended up actually calling him James at one yeah. point because he he looks so like yeah. him. He's got the hair. Yeah. He's got everything, and he's a racing driver. Yeah. Uh, but if 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 you haven't if you haven't googled Freddie Hunt, listeners, go and do it. It's a spooky, spooky thing, um, and and a, and a and a nice bloke as well. And and but very different to his dad in lots of ways. Um, but um, 
image-wise, very much the but same. Very similar in a lot of ways as well. Yeah. yeah. But 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 when he walked out of that changing rooms in his dad's race suit, oh my god, shivers, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. goosebumps. <laughs> and, and are there other, are there other drivers that you you would like to do? Are there others like that out there that you think, oh, I'd really, I wish someone would commission me for that? Yeah, I mean, for sure, it is now my self-styled role to celebrate the history of Formula One in bronze. So um, there are a well, everyone who you would expect me to go after, based on that comment. I am in communication with, put it that way. Um, timing has to be right. So, some of some people see a bronze statue as a memorial, which fine, I get it. Um, but we'll see. We, we have some uh, like, even even later this year. There's something uh, pretty nuts coming up. Uh, slightly more contentious, slightly more conceptual than a simple driver statue. Mm, um that's uh it's, it's gonna make some waves that one have you have you ever experimented much with kind of other like we just have this discussion i feel like track marbles there's so many track marbles could you make a, a cool sculpture out of track marbles <laughs> <laughs> i bet it all just goes yeah, to waste I, no i uh many years ago i walked around monaco with a plastic bag picking up marbles because there aren't many tracks when you can actually get on the track after the race to pick them up um, True. so so i monaco you can so i collected a plastic bag full of marbles uh proudly put them in my bag uh, and flew them back home of course when you open the bag they're all completely flat because they're they're yeah the, the texture of an, the bit of a top of a rubber aren't they so if you put them all in a bag together and put pressure on, they all join into a slab of rubber again. Ah, guys. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, the, yeah so 10, ten out of ten for your concept. Um, no, it's, it's good. I, I, getting well. I, I went to uh, Valencia a, a few years ago to, to the no, what was it? Year before last, I think, for, to the to the old um, abandoned track, and there's still loads of track marbles just dotted around the the, the old abandoned part of the circuit. So I was just like, I, I brought one home with me. It was that little, little keepsake. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I think we could come up with lots of ideas for you, Paul. We could we could be your your external consultants. You know, if it, I, I'm thinking like, you know, we we go we do one of Christian Horner, but make it really really crap and and pretend that we love it and and just prank the guy. There's all sorts of fun stuff we could do. I think this, this is that, that'd be because uh, well, do you know how much Christian Horner hates sculpture as well? Does he? Even I believe. Better. Yeah, I believe. What a we, weird thing to uh, hate. We've, <laughs> I hate we, we've stumbled across this problem. Because uh, my my first um, ever F one sculpture was uh, was a carbon wrapped bull skull, um, and it was it was due to be delivered to Milton Keynes many years ago. Uh, well, 20, 2011. Uh, and then Christian Horner found out about it, and it stopped. <laughs> oh, boo, Christian Horner! So, uh, so, there's some, so, so it's quite entertaining that you mentioned him because there's some history. <laughs> I, I I feel like um, Fernando Alonso bronze at his museum would be would be i think fernando would like that yeah 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 i'll be phenomenal I'd, I'd love to do a vettel one for sure um lewis is a given uh, vettel when for, he's bowing sure to the car that that's such an iconic it, shot it, yeah well he needs his fingers though doesn't he maybe bowing with fingers <laughs> yes yeah, right yeah 
Yeah. Uh, it's, it, the the um, mind but, starts to go, doesn't it? You can have some real fun with this. I sort of envy you. It's, well, this is a problem. Yeah. That there's, there's no such thing as a crazy idea yeah. anymore. I mean, you, 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 you get the, the limitations in life are uh, opportunity and, and budget and time. Well, certainly with where I am now, two of those three factors are pretty much taken care of. So when when people throw crazy ideas at you, I mean, this is this is how this is how many of my ideas come. It it's brainstorming with the missus. We'll be hill walking or you know over a bottle of wine over dinner. Um, you'll you'll be talking nonsense, and you go, oh, "Yeah, it's a good idea, darling. On. What a good idea! Have another <laughs> bottle of wine. It, 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 it's it's we, loads of stuff. We could three D capture a horse, couldn't we? Yeah. We could train a stunt horse to rear up on one foot and three D capture yeah. it. Yeah, the, the mind. Exactly how that conversation went. Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, you know, there's all sorts of things, isn't? There? And, and and the beauty is, there's so many iconic, interesting former Formula One world champions. You know. Jody Schechter, you know, he he's a huge character with an interesting face and, you know, he had the big hair back in the day. You know, there's all sorts of of avenues you could wander down. But anyway, I'm going to get go down a rabbit hole in a minute, so I'm going to keep going. Paul, question for you. Can anyone paint? My my um my dad is an artist. He he's naturally talented. I didn't have to work at it at all. But my mum awful. Like she's drawing with her left hand. But can you train yourself? Can anyone get good at painting? Um, I, I believe so. Technically, yes. Um, if you can get your head around the concepts and color mixing, technically, I do believe that anyone can paint. But the most important thing, I think, is the... And if there's a talent involved in it, I, I hate that word, but um, I see it far more as you know, persistence and obstinance and rather than a God-given talent. But... But if there is a talent, it's in the the vision in the first place. Before I paint anything, I can see exactly how I want it to look in my mind's eye. I don't know if everyone does that or can get that. I don't know because I can only see inside my own head. Um, but if if there is a talent, I think it's being able to see what the finished piece looks like before you've even started. Um, because technically, um, yeah, it, it it technically it's a process. Paint, painting is a process, um, but it's a process to get to the final point of what you can see in your head. It's probably like a, if you write a screenplay, I presume, you, you know how it's going to end, and then everything that leads up to it is constructed to, to get to that end point. Hmm. I, I do exactly that when I'm painting or sculpting. Paul, do you, do you know of any drivers, whether they're current or you know over the years where you know, you've been in the industry for a while now, who also have a passion for painting? at all um i'm not actually sure uh i'd be surprised if there isn't because we know like charles likes his music now he's done his pms stuff, you know who, you know who's a really good artist uh not a driver but in formula one will buxton he's yeah seriously talented he's good um i'll tell you who else was good as well was oh what's his name uh the mauricio guy uh oh Oh, Graham. Uh, Graham. Um, yes. Graham Loudon. Graham Loudon. Yes. Yeah. He's very good. Yes. Yeah. And actually tenuous link. So Max Chilton drove from Arusha. His wife, Chloe, is an absolutely incredible artist. She draws like clouds and stuff and she she can draw animals. I mean, it's like that almost photorealistic detail. Wow. Yeah. No, it's beautiful stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Beautiful stuff. Yeah. I've got, got an interesting anecdote about Max, actually, now that you've mentioned oh, it. Because he, 
he commissioned a, um, a, a painting for his father for his birthday uh, of a red chili, obviously because of the family name, Chili Children. Um, and then so I painted that, for, or it was Christmas even, I think it was a Christmas present. So I sh- shipped it down to him and he phones me up and said, what have you done? It's tiny, absolutely tiny. What we figured out is he'd given me the measurements. He meant inches, but said centimeters. <laughs> so, so for an F1 uh, driver, yeah. I think that's uh, quite spectacular. So, so there's now two almost identical um, chili paintings, just that one of them is two and a half times the other side of the yeah. other. I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it in the flesh. Um, worked with Max for a long time. Used, used to manage Max back in the uh, Marusha days. Um, ah. So I know Chile as ah. well. Very, oh, so it's your fault. It probably was my fault. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Most things there we go. The, the mystery solved. It's all yeah. Tim's fault. <laughs> yeah, you should, have, you should have caught that one. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, it probably was my fault. I mean, he, uh, he, I, I, I blame myself for him doing well in IndyCar after I left, after I stopped managing him. I've told this story before, but I mar- managed him for about three or four years and he came like, last 18th 17th last blah 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 stop managing him he goes and gets fifth at the indy 500 and like well there's clearly a common denominator here i'm just gonna walk away um but uh love max he's a good guy um talking to maxes you're obviously an f1 fan um can anyone stop max verstappen he's a beast isn't he yeah yeah i i i think i think this year is already sealed unfortunately uh unless something dramatic happens i mean uh I mean, Mercedes are coming back, aren't they? But um, I, I think uh, having started a new concept, as it seems, I, I think the, the development should be quite fast from where they are. But yeah, he's a monster, isn't he? I mean, Checo uh, can't get near him, can he now? So uh, as soon as he gets a head of steam up, it's uh, he's an impressive guy, very, very impressive guy. And uh, personally, I like him as well. Um, yeah, when the camera's off, uh, he's a very different person, I think. And uh uh, I've got a lot of respect for him. I've got because his uh, his engineer GP commissioned a painting a couple of years ago um, to celebrate his 21 title. Right. Um, I got a really nice thank you message off both Jos and Max, which was uh, I didn't need to do that. So, yeah. Uh, he's a polite guy as well. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, it's, it's it's hard to know what to believe with someone like Max when you see that you know the the way he's perceived in the media and his dad. Um, it's nice to hear that there's there's a decent bloke behind it all. Um, Paul, what 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 does the future hold for you? What what's next? You obviously got your, your James Hunt coming up. You've got more exciting things further into this year. What's the long term thinking and plan? Is there one? Um, not. Not really, apart from just pushing forwards. Um, I always need to keep pushing myself. I get bored really fast. So, um, yes, I have I have far more ideas than there would ever be a chance to create. Um, I have got a little bit stuck recently with the um, with the accurate driver statues, which are all great. It's been an amazing commission from McLaren. And a couple of other people, but I need to, for my own sanity and my own excitement, to to push myself down the, the more conceptual route a little bit, like like the first center was. So, um, um, so that's one thing. I'm I've been writing a book for several years, which is starting to get there now. So it's going to be, you know, a hundred thousand words over the last fifteen years' work. 200 images so it's going to take a bit of pulling together fantastic um 
So uh, my my story and the story of my journey, which I've just touched upon, of course, over the last half hour or so, it's all going to be in there. Are you going to include when I first met you and we made you paint with Epsom printer ink, sustainable printer ink, live in front of a room full of people? It, it wasn't that wasn't the biggest problem. The biggest problem was that the whole room was bathed in blue light. So I'm yes. using white and it looks neon neon blue. I'm using yellow and it goes neon green. I mean, trying to paint in that scenario, and it, you also <laughs> remember it was a temporary floor. So when they kept coming up to interview me every fifteen minutes, and when the guy was walking behind me, the the floor was was bouncing up and down, so it couldn't work either. <laughs> <laughs> I did wonder um, how you two were working with Epson. I did wonder how that. Ah, there you go. That, so, that makes yeah, sense. E- well, e- Epson was sponsoring the team. We were working with Epson. They, they had a load of VIPs coming to this race, and and we were like, "Oh, it'd be a good idea to get Paul Oz there, do a live painting with the Epson ink cut, you know, from the printer." And it was just a horrible idea. Felt so sorry for him. <laughs> so, so that that was also my fault. It was a great concept, but the problem is with Epson ink. If it's possible, it, it, it's runnier than water. It, yes. it, 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 yes. I don't know if that's possible, but, but it certainly seemed it. It was, <laughs> it was dripping everywhere. If you remember, um, Valtteri Bottas, had, uh, he had 45 seconds in the schedule for a photo with me and to sign the painting. Yeah. But of course, I hadn't done the painting by this point. Oh, yeah. So he signed the blank canvas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, what, what a anyway. nightmare. That was, that was like this is why you don't let career. marketing people interfere with no, artistic. No. Yeah. See, that was definitely your that fault. That was 100% yeah. my <laughs> fault also. Yeah, there's a lot of things which I am accountable for, and I do apologize. Um, listen, Paul, we've kept you nearly long enough. We've got three final questions which we ask all of our guests. Um, sometimes we throw a fourth in if we feel like it. But this week, our final three are brought to you by our brilliant new show sponsor, Paul Oz. Paul, these are our wow. usual final three questions brought to you by yourself. Thank you again for partnering with our <laughs> show. Good me. I know. <laughs> it, it, and, and I have to say, though, you're not here just because you are a, a, the new partner of the show. I've been trying to, I've been nagging you to come on the podcast for, for weeks and months, but it's schedules don't. Yeah, it, 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 I can confirm it was that way yeah. round. I agreed to the podcast and then thought, oh, yeah. hang on a second. Yeah. There's something <laughs> here. Um, so um, thank you. It, it does mean a huge amount and, and it means a lot to our listeners. It means we can keep doing these interviews. So thank you ever, ever so much. Um, Tomo, do you okay. want to kick off with the first of the final three? Sure. Um, Paul, what has got you excited at the moment, be that personal or, or outside of um, in professional capacity? Um, definitely, generally, definitely sculpture. Um, that's where my mind is drifting all the bloody time and it's getting irritating. So (laughs) the only way to solve it is by doing it. Um, like I say, the, the, the one, all right, I'll tell you the title of it. The, the, the sculpture that I'm unveiling, hopefully in December is called Goat One. Oh, Oh, I see. Oh, Mm. okay. Yeah, interesting. uh, Yeah, that. Yeah, what you just (laughs) did on Zoom is accurate. (laughs) Love it, love it. Um, But but who is the goat? Hey, well. There we are. I have to wait and see. It's a mystery. Yes, Paul knows. Yeah, very good. Uh, Number two. How much of your success do you put down to luck and right place, right time? And how much do you put down to sheer hard work? 
It's a good job you didn't ask me this question in advance. I hate that luck word. I absolutely hate it. It's, uh, I don't think it applies to anything. Luck, mm-hmm. oh, I'm making, maybe I'm taking it too literally. Luck implies that you have no effect over it, which uh, is simply never the case, unless it's the, the lottery or the weather. Everything else you, you have effect over. And even, even F1 teams talk about luck. I don't get it. No, the car didn't fail because of luck. It failed because it wasn't made right. You know, it luck's, luck's a fallacy. But anyway, <laughs> um, circumstance and realizing the circumstance that can benefit what you're doing, I think is more appropriate than luck. And yes, that is a huge, huge part of it. But but when when you have a lucky moment as you might perceive, um, you've got to realize it's a lucky moment um, and you've got to use it in the right way, which again, uh, isn't lucky. Amen. I agree. Uh, the more the more, <laughs> the more, more you acknowledge the control you do have over your life, the better. Um, finally, what are you scared of, Paul? Um, not much now. Um, I used to absolutely hate public speaking or even something like this. I used to absolutely hate it. So repeat exposure and, you know, the doing black tie dinners and standing in front of stage with, with a thousand people or whatever. I used to, I used to be bricking it for days leading up to stuff like that. Um, repetition is useful. Uh, Absolutely. so no, um, not not even I'm not even going to be funny inside the missus because she's brilliant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I I don't really know anything that I'm scared of. It's fine. You, I mean, dying, of course, but you know, we've all got to do that at some point. Yeah. Uh, accepting it makes it a lot easier to to maximise the rest of your life yeah. leading up to that. Yeah. Yeah, no, very good. Well, Paul, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you for the last, um, nearly the best part of an hour. It's shot past. Um, once again, thank you for joining us on the, the journey for this season of the podcast. Thank you for coming on. All the best for your exciting plans for the rest of this year. Sounds like some really cool stuff to come. Can't wait to see what you're going to get up to. For now, Paul Oz, thank you for joining us on the Motormouth podcast. Thank you, guys. Loved it. I really hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to head to pauloz.com and find him on all the usual social platforms to discover his incredible artwork. A massive thanks once again to Paul for joining us as a partner on the show. And as mentioned earlier, we'll be running a promotion with him to offer one lucky listener, a special Paul Oz original. So keep an eye out for that on socials. More information coming really soon. For now, though, please continue to subscribe, review wherever you listen, and tell your friends to check out the Motormouth podcast. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official, and Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can also download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans, and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. We're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor Charity too, so make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumors quicker. Don't forget to like, subscribe and review. And until next time, you've been listening to the Motormouth Podcast. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 